0: Guten Tag everybody, welcome to Hybrid Theory, a podcast dedicated to bringing simplicity and cinematic style to tabletop role-playing games regardless of genre, system, or preconceived notions. I'm Hugh Rot Johansson, and I look forward to exploring new ways of thinking and hacking games to bring a new level of enjoyment to your gaming table. So the tenet of Hybrid Theory that we're going to discuss in this episode is the tenet of speed over complexity. Um, In general, um, when you look at role-playing game mechanics and role-playing game systems, and there are a lot of them from the span of the early 70s when they were first created to nowadays, you'll find that game systems, as they've evolved, um, have differed based on the level of detail represented in the game mechanics. And you can really think about this as a scale from... Top to bottom, or bottom to top, in terms of complexity. So at the low end of the scale are games that have no rules at all. Um, you think, how can you have a game with no rules at all? And that basically comes down to when you used to play make-believe when you were a kid. And you'd pick a stick up, and that stick was a person, and you'd build a mound of mud, and that became your house, and there were no rules. You made everything up on the fly. And that's at the bottom of the scale in terms of level of complexities of a role-playing game all the way to the top of the scale of complexity where there is very little uh, personal injection into the game. I mean, you're basically following game mechanics which is basically a board game. Uh, And so, all role playing games fall along this spectrum by how they feel that the uh, game experience is enhanced. Uh, Hybrid in its Following of the tenet of speed over complexity would tend to reflect games that go towards the bottom of that scale. In other words, any t- complexity is fine. There's, there's nothing against complexity. But when complexity gets in the way of action resolution, it should be eschewed or eliminated and replaced with speed. And by doing that, the experience at the gaming table will be enhanced. So let's talk a little bit about how the hybrid rule set implements speed versus complexity, or speed over complexity. Um, from the player's side, what will happen is whenever the player attempts a task, they always will roll a 20 set of die and add a single number based on one of their character's abilities. Um, if the uh, outcome of the task has a rule associated with it, for instance, if it's a weapon and it does damage, or it's an effect that... Um, is affecting the environment like perhaps lifting a rock then what will happen in those cases is the effect will also be a set number with one of the character's abilities attached to it so in the uh, case of doing damage with a weapon the damage of the weapon is a set number and the character will add their strength or their reflexes or some other number one other number to that value of the attack. Likewise, if they go to lift up a rock, they'll roll a 20-sided die, and then they will add their strength, for instance, to determine the number of kilograms that they lift. And if that object weighs that many kilograms, they lift it. So um, in that case, it's always the same thing. And so regardless of the complexity of the task based on the mass or the range or some other physical characteristic or uh, the difficulty rating set by the director the player always knows that it's a number plus a number that's on their character sheet. And it's always the same thing. There are no exceptions. So in that case, you have complexity, but you have speed as well because the complexity that was designated by the difficulty rating in the task is a single number, simplified and sped up, um, is easily determined by the character either rolling a die or knowing what number and adding the number every single time. Likewise, when a player or a player attempts a task and the director has to assign a difficulty rating to the task, what will happen is the director takes all the complexity of the task and boils it down to a single number known as a difficulty rating. And this single number is determined by three numbers. And this is... Gives rise to what's known as in the directing of the game is the rule of three, and what that says is that any complexity can be broken down into three types: token, minor, and major. In the terms of difficulty, determining the difficulty rating for a task, minor is a plus one value. Or I'm sorry, token is plus one, minor is plus two, major is plus six. So what will happen is the director will describe to the players what's going on, and then in that description categorize the things in that description as being a token, a minor, or a major factor in the uh, barrier, as a barrier to completing the task. So for instance, when driving in the road, if your headlights work in nighttime, then it might just be a a simple token issue if a cat jumps into your car to get out of the way. Because even though it's dark, your headlights mitigate it, there's some effect but it's not a minor effect. So in that case, the difficulty would be 10 plus 1, um, 11. Now, what if your headlights don't work and it's dark? Well, now it's a minor problem. Um, if it's a starlit night, it's a minor problem. But if it's not a starlit night, it becomes a major problem. Or if there's an old street light it's a major problem. So if it's a starlit night and your lights aren't working, now it goes from being a token to a minor problem. But if your lights aren't working and it's a dark night and there's no lights and there's no starlight and there's no nothing, now it's a major problem if that cat jumps into your car. And so now the difficulty rating jumps up to 16. Now, what happens if the road is wet? Now, if that same situation, you go from a 16 to a wet road, which is minor, that's an 18. If it's sheet ice, goes to a major. So now you've gone from having a major and a minor to two majors or two plus sixes or plus 12. So now 12 plus 10 is 22. So by using those simple three numbers and having only two factors, as a director, you have all this flexibility and this detail that you can reflect in your description in very, very small set of numbers. And so it speeds up the ability to reflect complexities in the environment and play the game quickly. Finally, um, a third thing that's done in the hybrid rule set, and this is actually a huge Rod's hack, which is not truly a rule to the game, but it's something provided by me along. With the rules, and what will happen is they'll have these things called Huge Rod's Hacks in the rule set where there are ways of running the game, procedural things that you can do in order to enhance the game experience. And this Huge Rod's Hack is known as the 10-second rule. And in the 10-second rule, basically it says that the player has 10 seconds to describe their character's actions when they're in the spotlight. And this can be implemented by the director in several ways. The director can silently count to 10, or they can count out to 10 out loud. And either way, if the character says nothing then the character does nothing. If the character doesn't know, the character loses their action. If the character says, what am I doing, what's going on again, the character loses their action. Um, This does a couple of things. The first thing it does is, of course, it speeds up play. But it also deals with another level of complexity at the table, and that complexity is not in the game system itself, but in the interaction with the players. What it does is it handles a lot of the behavioral aspects and the uh, social aspects of the game, by creating a sense of camaraderie in a number of ways. The first thing it does is when you count the 10 seconds out loud as a director, the players that have played for a long time will count out with you and they kind of creates a unique scene when you have multiple players at the table and they're all counting out 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 together. And so it creates that sense of camaraderie. Um, For the player who is unable to decide, it does a couple of different things. If the player was not paying attention, it reinforces the fact that they need to start paying more attention to the game and what the characters are doing in the spotlight versus their phone or, or looking through a rule book or doing small talk. Uh, the second thing it does is if it's a new player, it reinforces um, the sense of camaraderie because even though they may be intimidated by a new set of rules and a bunch of new players, players that they've never played with before, um, often what would happen and has happened in the past from experience is that players, when they're, when that character is off spotlight, will reach out to that character or that player rather, and say, hey, you know, you could have done this, you could have done this. That happens all the time. We went through it. Um, don't worry about it. He's not picking on you. It's just the way that the game runs fast because we're in a convention and there's no other way to do it, yada, yada. And so what ends up happening is it lets that player know that, hey, I know we know you're new. We understand you're new. Come with us. Let us help you. And it creates that sense of community. It also does this thing by creating a sense of urgency. When the accounting, whether it's out loud or if it's silent and all the players know it's there and it's implicit in the game, when a player knows and all the players know that there's only 10 seconds to make your turn, it creates a sense of urgency that you would see in an action movie the suspense, the tension that's built. So the complexities of player dynamics at the table can also be um, um, dealt with and overruled and um, balanced by implementing this non-rule or this optional rule or this procedure rule, this huge rods hack of the 10-second rule. So between the simplicity of the players and having only one number to add to another number based on their character's abilities, by the director having a very simple, improvised way of determining difficulty ratings on the fly and improvising, and this huge rods hack create community among all these complex interactions of people at the table, um, speed over complexity is realized and implemented. So now that we've talked about how hybrid implements this idea or this tenet of speed over complexity, um, I want to shift our focus towards a few other game systems that you all may or may not be familiar with. Uh, In these game systems, Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to discuss these same topics in terms of how the director determines the outcome of a task or how difficult the task is, and also how the player resolves the task and the speed and complexity involved in that game system of resolving a task, just like I did for hybrid. Just as in hybrid, we talked about the player's speed of resolution and speed of play, and we've talked about the director's speed in being able to determine the difficulty of the task. And so we'll look at those things for each of these game systems, see how they're implemented, and then see how these concepts that we implemented or that I implemented in hybrid can be used and implemented with these game systems to make them more hybrid-like. So uh, let's take a look. Let's begin. So the first set of games that I want to talk about with respect to speed over complexity, our games like to call uh, percentile table games. And what these percentile table games do is they require the player to know an order of operations that need to be followed in order to resolve a character action. So for instance, you roll on one you roll one dice to find the results on one table which leads you to another table or another set of die rolls that you need to roll and then you roll on that table and then that will lead you to another table to a final result uh, games that um, favor this model include the moral project blue planet and roll master and so the amount of complexity involved with these not only stems from having to roll a die look on a table roll a die look on the table roll on the die but look on the table but also on the player to know to follow this order of operations so when you're learning the game it takes a while to learn the game when you're resolving the actions even after you've learned the game the raw amount of time it takes to resolve these actions and to determine the outcomes of these actions also takes a lot of time so the complexity of the game requires you to look at the tables which increases more time because looking on those tables you can't just know the outcome of the action or interpret it you have to depend on the tables and in order to depend on the tables you have to take the time to roll the dice and to time to look on the tables so all of this is time consuming and so while you're running playing the game and it might be exciting to know that a 37 chops off your fingers while a 38 chops off an arm and each one of those has a different game effect might one might make a minus five percent to a roll while the other one might prevent you from ever attacking again because you've lost your arm And that's fun to read. And I love often reading those tables are very entertaining. And these mechanics are actually very balanced in terms of mathematics and creating a level of heroism. Um, The speed is really dropped down. And and so when you're playing with 5, 10, 15 players at the table, this becomes unfeasible. And takes away from the enjoyment of the game as everybody's sitting around and waiting for each player to resolve their actions. While it's kind of fun to hear them read the tables off and talk about the actions... The amount of time that you spend looking up the table counteracts any enjoyment that you might get from reading the tables and figuring out what the outcomes of the actions are. So in these games, um, to follow the tenet of hybrid, um, the real problem, there's a couple of problems here. The first problem is that they require on tables and so in order to determine what the outcome of the action is, you have to look, take the time to look on the table and know where to look. And so you have to have All those things ahead of you. And so the speed, in order to speed that whole thing up, is to get rid of the tables. Just get rid of the tables. Now, if you like those tables, if you want to, you can memorize five or ten of those effects that you like to use and use them over and over, or give that one effect of a table as your character's trademark move. So perhaps the chopping off an arm effect that you like, you can cut all those tables and all those dice rolls out and say, when I get a success on the table, I chop off his arm. And as a director, you can allow that. Of course, remember, if you're a director and you're allowing players to chop off um, their opponent's arms, then the opponents can chop off their arms. So when you come across a solution like that, when you're going for speed and excitement and, and removing some of that detail and using that detail in a descriptive way, that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So for those systems, you can shred those, basically shred all those extra steps and use that initial result and then have certain effects from those tables that you like, write them down in your character sheet or memorize those, and then you you get all the excitement and the details that you like in those sheets and just apply the ones you like to your character, and that way you can get that detail without all the complexity. And so you've gained the speed and the enjoyment of the game without all the complexity for those systems. The second type of system that we're looking at here are what I like to refer to as dice pool systems. And in a dice pool system, uh, what will happen is a number of dice based on your character's ability are rolled. And each one of these dice needs to hit a target number to be considered a success. And so what ends up happening is instead of these tables determining what exactly the uh, effect is in terms of a game term, um, like a point of damage or a probability, a success is These successes are tabulated and interpreted by the director of the game. So there's two levels of complexity. The first level of complexity is that the number of dice rolled can be modified. And the other level of complexity is that the target number can be modified. So when you're a director of this game, you have two modes of modification of how you determine the difficulty rating. As a player, however, these games are very, very simple. So going back to the hybrid model, from the player standpoint, these are very, very quick because it's a matter of take two numbers, roll the dice, compare them to the number, and uh, see how many successes you get. The problem with this, of course, is that the time that's required to do this, um, as you get more and more dice... It takes more time to tabulate the number of dice that overcome the target number. Um, systems that are uh, well known for this mechanic include the White Wolf Storyteller game system, which uses D10s, and the Shadow Run system, which uses D6s. Uh, other games that are like this are also known, like I like to consider, consider uh, die shift systems, where um, the better you are at an ability, then the number of sides on the die that are thrown are changed to hit a target number. So your target number changes. However, instead of the number of dice, the number of sides on the dice determine the likelihood of the event. So if the target number were four in one of these systems, on a 20-sided die, there's a good chance you'll go over the four. On a six-sided die, not as much. And on a four-sided die, hardly any. So these systems, you can kind of take them all together in terms of their level of complexity where there are two different... Uh, handles for the director to modify the difficulty of the task. But the players have a level of complexity because they either have to make the cognitive shift to change the die type based on their ability or they have to make the cognitive ta- perform the cognitive task of counting the number of successes they have and reporting it to the director. So from a player's standpoint, these games, especially as the number of dice or... The number of shifts on dice up go up and down and become complex, it becomes more complex for the player to resolve the action on the director's side it's a little bit easier because they have two modes that they can tweak however it's still complex because the the director has to develop a methodology for figuring out which one uh which methodology target number or die type that they want to either penalize or give a bonus to based on the situation. So that's the complexity inherent in these systems. Now the way to hybridize these systems is pretty simple. There's a direct from a director's standpoint, what you can do is you can basically say I'm only going to alter the difficult the target number or I'm going to alter the number of dice or the sides of dice in a set methodical way every single time. And if you do something like that, that's very equivalent to like the hybrid system of having the rule of three, where I, I always follow the same procedure to determine what the effects are. So if I go a one-dice shift, a two-dice shift, or a three-dice shift, or a one-target number shift, a two-target number shift, or a three or four-target number shift, or um, some other characteristic thereof. So you can either target number shifts and apply the concept of there are only three possible shifts, or you can do the number of sides slash number of die shift, where it's one die, two die, or four die, or one die, two die, or six die, or however you want to do it. So in that way, you can take that rule of three from the hybrid game system and apply it to any of those types of systems. Systems that use the die shift mechanic uh, include uh, one of my favorites, the uh, Savage Worlds system. Uh, also, uh, Tales of the Floating Vagabond also is another game system that uses a uh, 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 die shift mechanics. So these game, these game mechanics are complicated in that they require complex, time-consuming actions for the players to follow. And also um, can be complex for directors to determine how they want to modify the task rule modifiers. So that's how you can hybridize those systems. Um, The third types of systems I'm going to refer to are OSR games or old school revival games. Some might consider them OGL games, Open Gaming License Games. And these are all games that are D20 based on a linear scale, very much like Hybrid. Hybrid actually turned into one of these games when I approached this problem of complexity versus speed. And so what happens in these particular game systems is a 20-sided die is rolled, often, to determine the mechanics of the game and this was used in first edition dungeons and dragons second edition dungeons and dragons third edition dungeons and dragons pathfinder fifth edition dungeons and dragons um basic dungeons and dragons advanced dungeons and dragons and then all the other old school revival games that came with it and games like Morrow. pro uh sorry uh Gamma world fourth world fourth edition Gamma world, and all these other game systems that came out of that, and these game systems um, the the issue of the players becomes complex because the effects are determined by the dice that are rolled or by the type of ability being used in the old and first edition and second edition days, if you rolled to determine initiative, it could be a 4-sided, a 6-sided, an 8-sided, a 10-sided, or a 12-sided, depending on the rule that you were using or the class you were using or whatever um, supplement was published that month in Dragon Magazine. Um, If you did a turning the undead, you rolled a 2d6. If you rolled a hit, you wanted to go high. If you wanted to roll a savings throw, you wanted to go low. If you wanted to do A thieving ability, you would roll a percentile ability. And so for first and second edition, uh, and their derivatives thereof, they had a different mechanic for each one of these different type of tasks, which became very complicated. And one of the reasons why hybrid came into being because it was too complicated to manage all this. I just didn't want to do it when I was running 10 to 12 players at the table. So we needed a unified mechanic. Third edition Dungeons & Dragons came along, and they got rid of this by saying... Higher is always better, and Pathfinder did this, and a lot of these newer generations based on the open gaming license also did this. And this simplified things immensely, but unfortunately in the process of simplifying, what a lot of these systems did is then they added another level of complexity because they figured, well, we took out this one, let's add another one. So what they would do in the Pathfinder in third edition is they added feats. And so feats basically replaced the methodology by... Different actions having different pluses. And so, a player, when they go to perform an action, it's not as simple as rolling a die, rolling a single number and adding and determining the damage through a second set of dice. You had to roll this number, but sometimes it would stack with this number, and other times it would stack with this number. And sometimes those numbers didn't stack based on the situation. And so, again, it became very similar to those table systems, table percentile systems, where there were a lot of complex, complex, complex actions that the player had to take to resolve their actions which slowed down gameplay likewise as a director they would have multiple tables that they had to refer to to determine the effects if it was a mage it was these table you use for the effects if it's a wizard or a, uh, a warlock you use this And while they started to standardize on some of the things with the savings throws, these also became slightly changed too. Sometimes your difficulty rating would have a base of 8. Sometimes it would have a base of 10. Um, You would use this table for these types of actions. You'd use this table for these types of actions. So you'd have to go through, again, all of these tables to apply difficulty ratings to the game. And so, again, you lost speed for complexity. And, of course, we've already talked about hybrid, how hybrid resolved these problems with the rule of three for the director and having a single number for all actions for the player. So I won't go into that very much more than to say 5th um, edition basically came and did this for the 3rd edition game, where it basically said, okay, no, these are the difficulty ratings we're going to have. And there are six of them. Pick one and roll the dice or seven if you count the one for savings throw, which is eight plus modifier. So that simplified things for a director. They basically could choose five, 10, 15, 20, 25, or 30 for their difficulty rating, or eight if it was a spell or a spell-like magical effect being cast, and that was it. And so that made it really, really fast for directors to determine a difficulty rating. Um, For the player side, they only had one number to add, very similar to the hybrid game. So 5th edition is very, 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 very much in the tradition of hybrid. It does other things that are not hybrid-like. him. We'll approach those issues in uh, coming episodes. But for the most part, the skill system and task resolution system in 5th edition really, really made a nice reparation of all the, all the weaknesses and complexity and took that complexity out of the 3rd edition first, second, and third edition systems. One other thing that it did is it added this mechanic of um, advantage or disadvantage where instead of assigning a number, if the director wanted to, they could just apply advantage or disadvantage to any die roll. So anytime they don't know what number to apply, they say, okay, you have an advantage or a disadvantage. And a disadvantage would mean you roll two 20-sided die to resolve an action and take the lower, and advantage would mean you roll two 20-sided die and take the higher. While it adds a little bit of a level of complexity in terms of what the player has to do, comparing two die rolls mentally is a very fast thing to do. So instead of the director even bothering to modify or figure out how the difficulty of the situation affects the difficulty rating of the task, they can just apply that really, really fast and have another methodology for reflecting difficulty or challenges to the players. So 5th edition really did a nice job of hybridizing all those rules that were just completely out of control in the 3rd edition Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder systems. So finally, the final system set, or the final type of systems that I want to talk about for role-playing games, is I want to talk about uh, the systems that I like to refer to as... Standard distribution systems, and what these standard distribution systems do is they basically say um, that they take a, they set up a zero point, and this zero point means that if the player hits this zero point, they'll be successful fifty percent of the time on the die roll result, or they'll be, you know, the, and so basically, let me rephrase that. So fifty percent of the time, if they get this zero point on the roll or higher on the scale they will be successful, and if they go below this zero point on their scale, it will be a failure, and so what it will do is it will use dice pools and use the standard distribution curve in order to determine whether something is successful or not. For those of you that aren't familiar with statistics, I won't go into it now, but basically what happens is you roll a number of dice, not just one die, but a group of dice, or you roll one die and the table is constructed in such a way so that a certain percentage of the time... The success, the task is a success, and a certain percentage of the time, the task is a failure. And inherent in this is, instead of using a target number, um, basically the die roll will determine a descriptive term for the success. So, for instance, in these systems, such as fudge and fate, they would use four six-sided dice, and they would have a plus or a minus or a blank. And so if you rolled all four of them, they all came up a plus, it was a plus four. If they came up a minus, all four of them came up a minus, then it was a minus four. In any other combination, the plus would counteract a minus, and anything left would be the total. So if you had two pluses, a blank, and a minus, it would be plus one. And so in the Fudge and the Fate systems, it would use these pluses and have a very, very simple scale, minus four to plus four. And it's very, very easy, in other words, plus three to minus, or plus four to minus four if it's minus, it's plus it's very easy mentally to picture good or bad, plus or minus. If it's good or bad, how good? A little good, pretty good, really good, fantastically heroic. And the same thing on the other side in terms of negative. What the uh uh Marvel game system, which also used a very similar system, did is instead of setting a zero point in the middle so there were equal number of bad results to good sites results. It created a system so that there were three types of bad results, but six times of good results. So the majority of the time, what happens with the actions is they're successful. It's just a matter of how incredibly successful are those results. And so there's a high level of heroism and interpretation but with a very, very small number of mathematical overhead in order to uh, perform those. And ultimately, these are very hybrid, and there's not a lot of hybridization that you can really do to these rules because they in themselves have a very mentally speedy or mentally fast methodology for determining the outcome of the tasks additional roles aren't needed interpretation or assignment of difficulty ratings is very very easy it's even easier than in hybrid or 5e um excuse me and so in all these systems it's very very simple they are the epitome of the hybrid system so these systems all uh represent kind of um the extreme of speed over complexity. Now, as you start to increase the amount of speed with resolution, you do lose complexity. And there's some point where every gaming group thinks complexity i want some complexity otherwise anybody can do everything and it takes away some of the if everybody can do everything and everything's great and everything's the same where's the excitement where's the challenge where's the intrigue of the story and they want to maybe use those mechanics as kind of a guide to things rather than having to do it all in their but the mental gymnastics of interpreting things So we got to remember, and that's why a lot of people will consider games that favor speed or simplicity over complexity as beer and pretzel games, and people that play those games don't have the expectations of all the uh, complexity that the more complex game systems are, and it really just depends on what you feel like playing. If you want to play a game where it's a long-term game and the complexities of the systems add to the enjoyment of the game, then you'll play one of those systems. And if you would prefer to game, play a game that's very fast and you prefer to tell a story, then you're going to use one of these speedier systems. And the goal of hybrid of speed over complexity is to allow players to take and apply that principle to any system that they play. So the tenet speed over complexity that we talked about in this podcast uh, can be a lot of different things. In this particular episode, we basically focused on uh, the effects of the mental gymnastics that a player has to go to to interpret die rolls, as well as the physical tasks that the player has to follow to get to those results. It's not a matter of just rolling the dice. It's knowing which dice to roll, knowing what tables to look on, knowing what penalties or numbers to apply to those dice rolls to get the results. On the director's side, there's a level of complexity in what the director has to do to determine the difficulty of a task based on the situation that's being applied. And again, there is the mental gymnastics of selecting what factors are there as well as the physical mechanics available to the director to apply in game mechanics terms to reflect this as well. And so when we looked at these two particular things in this podcast, hopefully from that point of view and the hybrid methodologies that were described and applied to all these systems, this will give you the tools that you need to take and apply some methods for speeding up your gameplay without sacrificing the level of detail that you want to want to uh, reflect And when you're running these games you want to make sure as a director that that level of complexity never takes away from the game and one of the ways you can do that is by implementing methodologies that focus on speed over the complexity So that's pretty much it for this one there are other, uh, things that we can talk about in terms of game mechanics of speed versus for speed versus complexity, and I'll uh, approach those in different episodes. But for now, you know, feel free to reach out to uh, my email at at gmail.com if you have anything you want to say about this, if you want to talk about this, um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And uh, wish you all the best. Well, that's about all I have for you for this episode. I'd uh, like to thank you all for taking the time to listen, and I sincerely hope that uh, there was something here that was inspiring for you and something you can take back to your own gaming table to really kick up the excitement a notch and uh, make it your own. Uh, remember, whenever you're, uh, you find a rule system that stifles you or you feel restricted in some way, there's nothing wrong with a tabletop role-playing game in the script. Uh, until next time, keep on gaming, everybody. Take care.